0: Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes, I am so glad you are here. This podcast explores all the things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, 3 years ago, or yesterday. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sponsoring this podcast with a one-time donation or a monthly donation. By clicking the link in my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode. This week, we are going to explore self sabotage, abandoning ourselves when we need us the most. So, to begin, let's explore some examples of self abandonment because I'm sure there's a little bit of confusion about what that is or how it shows up in our life. So by no means does this list encompass all of them, but it's pretty comprehensive. So self-abandonment can be not trusting our own instincts. That can be second-guessing ourselves or overthinking or ruminating, maybe letting other people make decisions for us, and maybe always assuming that someone else knows more than we do. It can look like people-pleasing, Maybe that's seeking validation from other people or suppressing our needs and our interests to please other people. It could also be hiding parts of ourselves, giving up on our interests and our goals, not sharing our thoughts or our feelings in moments when we normally would. It can show up as perfectionism and that can look like having very unrealistically high expectations for ourselves maybe never feeling worthy regardless of how much we do and what we accomplish. It can look like imposter syndrome, always feeling as if we are about to be found out. Maybe it shows up as self-criticism and judgment, saying very hurtful and mean things to ourselves when we don't meet our own very high standards, almost speaking to ourselves in a way that we would never speak to anyone else. It can also look like not honoring our own needs or not recognizing that our needs are valid and that causes us to fail or not practice self-care or maybe feel unworthy of self-care. Maybe it's suppressing our feelings, pushing away all those uncomfortable feelings through things like denial or substance use or avoidance or overindulging in something that you know is actually harming you. Maybe it shows up as not acting in accordance with our values or doing things to please others, even if they go against our own beliefs and values, surrendering our integrity. It can show up in codependent relationships where we focus on someone else's needs, wants, and problems and neglect ourselves to the point where it impacts our functioning. And lastly, maybe not speaking up for ourselves, not asking for what we need, not setting or enforcing boundaries, or allowing people to take advantage of us, not advocating for ourselves, not showing up for ourselves, or not trusting who we are or what we know to be true. Now, I share all of those, and maybe you related to some of those examples, maybe you related to all of them, but like most people, you've probably recognized several moments at least in your life where you relied on self-abandonment or self-sabotage to navigate discomfort. And in this episode, I am doing that thing that we are always subtly told never to do, I am talking about us reflecting on our own feelings and behavior and not doing so in a way that is extremely congratulatory or extremely punitive and shaming, but in a way that we can rely on through using consistent discernment. And I want to highlight that so much of the media that we consume, even social media, is constantly encouraging us to point fingers and to look outward to focus on identifying the flaws or the red flags of other people or to inventory what they have done wrong to us, how they have failed us and to assign them names or characteristics or even a diagnosis. And a powerful and almost intoxicating tool in self-sabotage and self-abandonment is focusing all of our attention and energy on others. I've shared on this podcast before, and I'll say it again, that this can be extremely helpful in waking us up to the reality of our experience when we are in danger. Absolutely, that happens. But this can also turn into distorted thinking and distorted perception if we are always facing outward, always looking at others, instead of pausing and doing a personal inventory about how we are showing up in situations, in dynamics, in relationships, and even in our own self-talk or self-assessment. So the distortion I'm referring to is this idea of self-protection. If I can diagnose you, if I can point a finger at you, if I can separate myself from you, then I'll be okay. And when we continually build muscles of self-empowerment by looking outward, instead of building ourselves up and looking inward, we place ourselves at the mercy of others, which is pretty much the opposite. Of something that we are told is intended to lift us up or empower us it can actually really harm us in the long run because we aren't developing those muscles of looking inward and checking in with ourselves physically mentally spiritually emotionally how do I feel about this or am I only focusing on my reactivity Now this concept that I'm sharing isn't written in stone and it can easily be misunderstood or it can feel very triggering and I definitely get that. I want to explain it a little bit more before we move further into this episode. I am not saying we are always at fault or that we have to take responsibility for the awful things that have happened to us. I would never say that. And if you're a listener of this podcast, you probably know that this extreme polarizing black and white thinking is not how I speak about anything. It's not how I view the world. It's not something I would say or do in my own life. I am talking about the many varieties of self-abandonment, and when we dismiss our presence and contribution in relationships, it's a subtle form of self-abandonment masked by accusation. In no way am I saying that we are always kind of sort of to blame in every situation. You know, I hear that in a lot of healing or wellness circles, and I actually don't agree with it. But I definitely see how bringing up this subject in our current climate can feel that way. Because when we are encouraged to be hyper-vigilant about how other people behave in this really disproportionate way, it can almost seem strange when someone says, no, maybe the first impulse to check in with yourself can be a little bit more empowering. So in this discussion, I'm actually talking about true agency, self-knowledge, self-connection. And strengthening the muscle of asking ourselves questions as often as we are looking to assign blame to someone else. What happens when there's an imbalance in that process? If we never ever say, what did I bring to this situation? Or if we only wait to extreme situations to do that, how willing or how familiar will we be with that process? It'll feel really uncomfortable. And if we never ask ourselves, where have I been disingenuous or manipulative or fearful or avoidant or lied by omission, then I am only pulling evidence from one side of a story And crafting an entire narrative around that which then directs my actions there's another important point here and it is often overlooked or misconstrued and that is we can ask ourselves about how we showed up or what we think we did wrong or how we contributed to a difficult situation and the answer can be you did nothing wrong so that is Absolutely a possibility. And it being a possibility shouldn't prevent us from getting into the habit of asking ourselves those questions, of doing those inventories, of reflecting on who we are and how we show up. But if we never ask, we'll never know. And if we don't get into the habit of asking ourselves the same questions that we would point towards someone else or the things that we would accuse someone else of, then we actually miss out on learning a lot about ourselves, learning about our strengths or our positive qualities or how we've grown or evolved and all that we do bring and offer in situations. And you never know, maybe we develop this habit of doing a quick on the spot personal inventory, always bringing it back home and back to us first. And then we find something really surprising. Maybe we find that we are routinely relying on the same character defects or the same self-sabotaging behavior, just in different situations with different people. And how empowering would it feel to recognize this pattern within ourselves and to do something about it, to bring that awareness into action the next time we find ourselves in a similar situation? And the best thing about this is that this can happen in any dynamic, in any situation. And so if you are interested in this practice of self-reflection, I actually encourage you to start with a less incendiary situation. By that, I mean maybe you hold off on evaluating your most volatile or difficult or painful relationship you can always begin building this muscle of discernment the same way you would build any muscle in your body. You can do this slowly in small repetitive increments. And so maybe the next time you want to point a finger at someone, maybe at work for example, you can always pause for a moment and say, what am I bringing to this situation that is contributing or igniting or escalating the situation? Could I communicate better? Could I engage with better boundaries? Could I be more consistent or dependable? And begin implementing this maybe on a daily basis until you get more and more comfortable with it. Because once we develop the habit of doing that on a regular basis, we actually have a better foundation for bringing this perspective into more layered or complex relationships, you know, perhaps with our partners or our siblings or our parents. And to further clarify this point and tie it into the main topic for today, what I mean by this is that developing that muscle or impulse to reflect inward first will help us in a variety of ways, not just in situations where we have been harmed by someone, but maybe in situations where we may harm someone or we harm or abandon or sabotage ourselves. And someone could hear me say that and immediately think of the worst thing that ever happened to them and say, oh, so you're blaming me for what happened to me. No, not at all. I'm talking about honoring your worth and your presence and your willingness to grow and evolve instead of remaining in a cycle of self-sabotage and self-abandonment. And as we talk about honoring our own reactions or responses and how we show up in situations, maybe take a moment to note how that feels inside when you hear it. Does it feel accusatory? Does it feel shaming? Does it feel unsafe to look at yourself through this lens? And is that based on fact or is it based on fear of being seen and known by others or even by yourself? Because you can hear me talk about this and feel judged or punished. Or you could feel validated and empowered and grounded in who you know yourself to be. Now let's turn our focus towards relationships, whether those are relationships with ourselves or relationships with other people, intimate partnerships or relationships with people at work or friends or family members. Think about what close relationships bring up for you. Relationships are mirrors and they engage us sometimes against our will on topics of intimacy, vulnerability, fear, shame, connection, desire, anxiety, Now, do those seem like gentle topics? Do we run towards them with confidence? Do we have any regrets over how we've shown up to navigate them in our past? Have we been unable to integrate some of the painful lessons that we've had around those topics, despite how profound they may have been? Of course, because we're human and that's part of the deal. And we can have a full understanding of the ways in which we self-sabotage or how we avoid situations which would encourage us to grow, and we can still hesitate to step into that space because knowledge and comprehension or knowledge and practice are not the same things. It's very similar to us understanding where someone else is coming from. And think about that for a minute. Is there a person in your life whose behavior you have excused based on your knowledge of detailed information about their wounds, their love language, their trauma responses? Have you pardoned their behavior? You know, all that knowledge is great, but are they integrating it? Are we integrating it? Knowledge doesn't mean we have to accept unacceptable behavior either in ourselves or others because ultimately we are responsible for keeping ourselves safe physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. So, just because we have a curated walking tour through our own detailed museum of pain or hurts or resentments, or we can rattle off what other people did does not mean we have addressed our own behavior, or our wounds, or our responses, or even explored a contrary action. So when we talk about self-abandonment or self-sabotage, the questions then become, How willing am I to show up for myself? How do I do this in practice versus just in theory? What circumstances in my life have historically preceded self-sabotage or self-abandonment? What emotions or behaviors have followed self-sabotage or self-abandonment? And is there any secondary gain in there? How have I responded to efforts for support or course correction? Now, going back to the beginning of this episode where I spoke about the cultural norm of pointing fingers at others and taking their inventory before, and I do mean before, not instead of, but before reflecting on ourselves first, what does that look like in self-abandonment and sabotage? I often see this in situations where being on someone else's side is the loneliest place to be. Because you go there and you realize that you're all alone and that this other person isn't even on their own side. And instead of inviting compassion or connection or gratitude into the situation, it actually invites reactivity. When I used to facilitate groups, I would use a strong visual analogy that I thought people could easily relate to. Even if they felt a bit defensive about exploring this topic of self-abandonment and sabotage. So I would say, how does it feel to be on someone's side or in someone's corner and you realize that you're all alone because they aren't even on their own side. And I would encourage the group members to think of themselves at home, the place where they are supposed to be the safest, the most nurtured, the most supported. Now, how different does it feel to be at home, sitting calmly by the fireplace and you hear the door ring and you realize that it's your loved one that you've invited over and they arrive right on time. You walk to the door, you warmly welcome them into your space, they were expected, they're happy to be there and all is okay. Now, how does it feel to not be in your house? And to maybe get a notification on your phone that someone is broken in. You aren't there. But suddenly this person who you may or may not know is walking through your home. And you don't know what they're doing, where they're looking, or what they'll find. Because you aren't there to control things. You suddenly feel fear and anxiety and a strong desire to make them stop by any means necessary lest they discover something about you that maybe you don't even want to know all is not okay in this situation and you immediately spiral into reactivity and fear and maybe some old character defects now the third scenario is how would it feel if you invited your loved one over to your home and you just left them there sitting on the front steps and it turns out you decided to just not show up despite telling them that you would be there. Despite intentionally inviting them into your space, you were nowhere to be found and all is not okay and you spiral into shame. So I mentioned these specific scenarios on purpose because we've all had these experiences in relationships and we were sure at the time that it was the other person's fault it made so much sense at the time and maybe we even collected evidence as to why the other person was irritating us or nagging us or asking too many questions or wanted too much from us or couldn't just mind their business when someone loves us or cares for us and they show up for us they stand up for us they empathize with us or advocates for us are we anywhere to be found I encourage you to think about your own life. When someone has really been on your side, are you there with them? Can they find you on your own side? And what does that bring up for us when someone is on our side and we're suddenly confronted with the realization that maybe we haven't been on our own side? You know, what does that look like for us? Do we give up on ourselves before anyone else can give up on us? Do we feel violated? by someone loving us, even with boundaries, or someone being on our side? Does this support feel like a break-in, a home invasion, versus us welcoming a guest into our space? Do we invite people into our lives only to push them away? Do we set other people up to fail, to mask our own fears of failure? Maybe you can relate to this experience through your relationship with a loved one who maybe unknowingly relies on self-abandonment, and your consistent advocacy or empathy is triggering for them or even causes conflict. Maybe you recognize this self-abandonment and sabotage in yourself, but you just don't know where to start. Maybe you really resonated with what I mentioned about setting others up to fail in relationship with you and it directly parallels how you set yourself up to fail in this world. And it can all feel like a vicious cycle, but almost dangerous to step out of it. I think that this is a challenging subject to discuss because it is so layered in the same way that our own realizations or accountability is very layered. And it's dynamic in that it's not an aha moment that you suddenly reach and it never changes. Usually it's a lot more like a peeling back of layers and a slow reveal, especially if self-abandonment was a tool that we used and depended on for survival. We can feel attacked when someone shows up for us when we know that the only way we survived in the past was by becoming invisible or feeling worthless, or like we had nothing inside of us. Maybe in the past, self-sabotage was a way for us to feel safe, to keep things really manageable, to keep things predictable, or to have some control in out-of-control situations. And yes, the sabotage feels bad, but at least we know what's coming. And none of these topics that we discuss in these episodes are constructed to make any of us feel worse about what we are doing for survival or what we've done for survival. Everything we talk about here is about moving from surviving to thriving at a pace that works for us, and it's different for all of us. It's less about feeling like we've done everything wrong and it's more about building out our emotional toolkit. So instead of picking up a hammer because we think everything in our life is a nail, we can pick up discernment and we can trust ourselves as we ask and answer questions. And in doing this, we're actually honoring what we may have felt that we had to do in really challenging situations and at the same time being open to all the things that we're capable of it's really about writing a new story as often as we need to and knowing that others can do the same as well and it always starts with a question I wanted to close this episode with one of my favorite quotes from the book Wild by Cheryl Strayed and she said I knew that if I allowed fear to overtake me my journey was doomed Fear, to a great extent, is born of a story we tell ourselves, and so I chose to tell myself a different story from the one women are told. I decided I was safe. I was strong. I was brave. Nothing could vanquish me. Until next time, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform take a moment to rate and review this podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider making a monthly donation to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode.